Hi, and welcome to this special episode of Energy Policy Now. Last Tuesday, October 2nd, we published an episode on electric grid cybersecurity with the chairman of Pennsylvania's Public Utilities Commission, Gladys Brown. During the podcast, we briefly touched on the topic of the grid's increasing dependence on natural gas as a generation fuel and how gas pipeline security has become a concern for electricity sector reliability and resilience. Following that episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with the Climate Center's own in-house expert on grid security, Senior Fellow Bill Hederman, to talk more at length about pipeline security. That conversation follows here, and I hope you'll find it an insightful addition to last week's grid security episode. Enjoy. Good day and welcome to the Energy Policy Now podcast from the Climate Center for Energy Policy at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm Andy Stone. Natural gas fuels about a third of the nation's electricity generation. Should the supply of fuel be disrupted, possibly due to severe weather or due to physical or cyber attack, gas generators could be starved of fuel and electricity supply disrupted. As we discussed in the companion episode to this podcast, featuring Pennsylvania PUC Chairman Gladys Brown, the states, federal government, and electricity market operators are all aware of this vulnerability. Where the parties differ is in how imminent they view threats to be, and whether they believe government regulators should dictate preventive action. Here to talk about the connection between gas pipeline security and the reliability and resiliency of the electric grid is the Climate Center's Bill Hederman. Bill is a cybersecurity expert and founder of the Office of Market Oversight and Investigations at the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, more commonly known as the FERC. Bill, thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Andy. It, as always, it's a pleasure to be here with you. So earlier today, you spoke at an event in Washington, D.C., hosted by Real Clear Politics, that focused on the gas industry and potential cybersecurity threats to it. Tell us why gas pipeline risk is gaining attention. Okay, it's it's a uh, important issue now that's grown in importance because as the entire energy complex becomes aware of the extent of the hostile activity that they're being subjected to, uh, they realize they need to deal with the issue more. And from the electricity side, there are concerns being raised about the reliability of the gas supply, and the gas industry wanted to respond to that. And so they helped organize this meeting. It was in a very lovely setting. We were looking out from the new zeme on the U.S. Capitol Dome, and uh, it, it was uh, just like here. What, what were you talking about specifically this morning? We were talking about the cyber threats to the gas distribution companies and the gas pipelines and what they are doing about it. The, uh, the presidents of both the American Gas Association and the Interstate Pipeline Association called INGA were both there to describe and summarize what their members were doing. And basically, uh, they pointed out that they take the threats very seriously, that they have been getting more engaged with the uh, federal partners of the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Energy, and they have their own parallel organizations 
So as the there's an electricity sector information sharing council, there's also an oil gas information sharing council. One of the things I noticed was it doesn't sound like there's still one that brings oil, gas, and electricity together to share. Uh, that needs to be happening more. I mean, it does happen some, but it probably needs some more organized attention. So how vulnerable are the pipelines to physical and cyber attack? Well, since there's never been a successful cyber attack on a pipeline, we think it's pretty difficult. On where we draw a lot of the information on attacks on the electric system, we go to the two incidents in Ukraine. There's no analogous incident on pipelines, even whether oil or natural gas. But the the uh, concern on the electric side is that the gas industry seems more confident than they were as they became initially engaged in an earnest way. Now, that said, gas pipelines do not have the dangers of electric systems in terms of cascading failure. If a section of a pipe goes, you turn some valves and you've isolated the problem. When I was on watch at FERC, uh, 50 million people lost their power for days because of a tree hitting a line in central Ohio. It cascaded through the Northeast. So that is not a serious problem. The problem that I'm not sure the uh, gas industry is worrying about in the way that the electric industry is, the electric industry is saying, okay, we think we've done a pretty good job on our defense perimeter. We have issues. But we're not sure about the defense perimeter around the gas industry, and they're a critical input to uh, through our defenses. And so we worry about what could happen there. Just, just as a background question, I mean, we have tens and hundreds of thousands of pipelines crisscrossing this country. It seems like it would be so easy to, to you know, disrupt that network. Is there any reason why that network has generally stayed pretty secure up until this point? Uh, for the most part, there's great safety taken about the system. It's pretty easy to detect any uh, anomalies mm-hmm. because of the pressure monitoring, et cetera. They're buried. So there are a lot of reasons. Uh, but that said, there have been accidents where somebody doing some construction work who forgot to check in with with Miss Utility hit a big line with a a backhoe, and there could be a big explosion. And anyone near the explosion is in grave danger. But it's, again, not something that cascades. There's an explosion at the site, and that it burns up the gas that was exposed. So as gas has become more important as a generation fuel for the electricity industry, mm-hmm. concern over the integrity of the gas pipeline network has grown accordingly. How big is this threat to the electricity industry? So, you know, we had the bomb cyclone deep winter storms within the last year. EIA did an assessment of that and concluded that the gas availability did not fail. And in general, everything worked pretty well. PJM, I think, 
found that their system was in good shape. Uh, up in New England, where New England has prevented the construction of additional gas pipeline capacity, they ran into some days where there was not adequate, in their minds, gas. The reason there wasn't was there had been no purchase of firm winter capacity on the pipeline. So it wasn't a reliability issue. It was a contract issue. That they weren't, but, uh, the, the, the gas supply had not been contracted. Exactly. But uh, they were able to get through it by carefully pre-placing uh, fuel oil in those places. And you, most of the uh, dual-fired plants can use up to 30 days of, uh, of fuel oil. Uh, some came close to hitting that, but frankly, if you had matters of health and safety, I'm sure the environmental agencies would grant an exception for that. So it was not, if you will, a physical problem of running into blackouts because they had prepared before the winter. As this issue has become bigger, have there been new initiatives to actually specifically address address the cyber risk to the gas pipelines? Yes. Uh, so Inga's board, for example, Inga is the Interstate Natural Gas Association, the, the pipeline trade group. They, their board, within the last month or so, passed a resolution about upping all of their cyber practices and including more board-level briefings on cybersecurity and so forth. And the AGA has been far ahead on that, of really of the entire energy complex, largely because their president was a congressman uh, on the intelligence communities, and he was more aware of all of this than others in the beginning. Now, it's interesting, the FERC governs interstate pipelines, it governs the interstate electricity grid, but it doesn't actually govern the security aspect of the pipelines, if I understand correctly. Uh, yeah, you could argue about that. Uh, the, the FIMSA group, the Pipeline Hazards and uh, Materials Administration, worries about problems like dangers on pipelines. And the accidents up in Massachusetts, because it involved uh, fatalities, included both FIMSA and uh, the NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board, which deals with any transportation issue that leads to fatal accidents. Um, FERC does have some authority over the reliability aspects of pipes, and sometimes it, it's... You can. Uh, it's hard to draw a line between what's reliability, what's safety, mm -hmm. and, and so I mean they definitely have a role there in terms of guidance, if nothing else. Should FERC be more directly involved or have? Well, I, I an don't over, see overarching uh, view of this. I don't see any reason to amend the Natural Gas Act at this point. I think things are on on the right path. So this whole issue of pipeline security isn't free from politics. The Trump administration has singled out gas generators as a possible weak link in our electricity system due to their reliance on the real-time delivery, again, of natural gas via the pipelines. The administration has used this as a justification for possible rules it would implement that would require electricity market operators, such as PJM and ISO New England, 
to pay coal and nuclear generators above market rates since they view these resources as fuel secure to maintain these resources in operation. Talk about the reliability and resiliency implications of this. Okay. The, the, uh, a lot of the debate here is about semantics, if you will. If you go and do the risk assessment, you'll see that the vulnerabilities are not materially different. But when, if you look at the chance for a fuel interruption, if you've got two years of nuclear rods on site or you have 90 days of coal on site, you really don't have a big risk. But frankly, it wasn't that long ago that the coal piles were getting very low because unit trains of crude oil from, from the Bakken crude fields were bumping the coal unit trains off the tracks. And uh, so it's not like there's some biblically guaranteed 90 days of coal at, at a coal plant. Pipelines, when it comes with a firm supply contract, they're really de minimis examples of interruptions. But it isn't there. So, yes, if, if everything went uh, into chaos, you might be able to keep the coal and nuclear plants running. And the concept of keeping some diversity makes a certain amount of sense, but uh, we're actually the most diverse in the mix of different fuels for generation today than we've ever been. So where do you think regulation is going? You know, I think, if you don't mind, I go a little broader and say, where is cybersecurity going? Uh, Because some of that's regulation. I think the state regulators need to build their capabilities because they're the ones that have to watch the individual utilities, whether gas distribution or uh, electric distribution. And you talked about the NERC standards. NERC standards do not apply in the low-voltage distribution world. So like all of the smart meters and the uh, Internet of Things and demand-side systems are not really under NERC control, and they're not controlled or overseen. And there are so many potential entry points for um, malware, et cetera. And so the the state regulators have to pick up the ball on a lot of that, and that will require building capability. Um, I've proposed, and this is based on work that was partially funded by the Edison Electric Institute, so I want to mention that as I suggest it. But I think that uh, there are these maturity standards that are built on uh, standard frameworks built by NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, by the DOE that has a maturity model for cybersecurity, uh, by NERC. If one of these standards can be grabbed, and I think a key stage is it has to be uh, audited by objective and capable third party and not by the uh, mom and pop management consultants that do a lot of auditing for the PUCs, uh, have this objective expert go in and say, this utility is at level two, and say you've got zero through five. Uh, two may be acceptable in a relatively uh, 
secure, small uh, utility. But a utility in Chicago, New York, L.A., Washington, you might want a four or five level maturity. Now, that said, you can find the weakest link in this system and get in. And not a, we all remember that 9-11 included small town in Maine as an entry point. And so the exact same idea applies here. But we have to build up that capability. Um, in a talk I gave up at MIT recently at the Sloan School, we were trying to explore well, what, how do we get a framework in place to move forward. And my assertion was the Cold War found its way to an end because of mutually assured destruction. And after the Cuban Missile Crisis and people faced that danger, they backed off and found a way to, to dial things down. Today, we're already in a hidden war, but the danger of mutually assured chaos doesn't seem to be rattling mm -hmm. the cages of the leaders the same way yet. So what we're seeing right now is everybody engaging in risky behavior. A lot of it is, if you will, normal spycraft, but the victim can't tell whether it's spycraft or planting bombs. And that's the big danger here. But it involves a lot of nation states. It involves a lot of organized crime at this point. When you look at the ransomware, um, so we've got to find a way to move forward. I think industry and government have been doing a great job of working together and making progress. We've successfully stopped thousands of attacks. Of course, the point is always with uh, bad guys only have to succeed once, but we're doing a good job. And But it's not going to be something where there you can stop until there's some greater agreement. Uh, there, this is a, a, a journey where there's always room for improvement and there's always need for improvement. Some electricity market operators, again, such as PJM, want the FERC to require pipelines to work more closely with the electric power industry and share information that relates to reliability. Where's that going? Well, the utilities, uh, the oil, the gas pipelines and the electric utilities have been talking about this for maybe a decade now. It's largely, in my mind, an issue of customer relations. And I think that the generators who need the gas at their power plants and the pipelines should be able to work it out. Pipelines generally are quite customer responsive. I, I worked in a pipeline. I headed business development at one time. We were very attuned to customers, especially big ones like uh, power plants. But the power plants want this to be one-sided, it seems. And, and the pipelines are saying that we don't see any problem with our current business practices. Uh, so I don't think it's a place for the uh, regulators to jump in if it's just a matter of uh, customer dispute. If there's some market power issue, then there's a place for regulators. Bill, thanks for talking. You're very welcome, Andy. It was fun. Thank you. For more discussion on cybersecurity risks to the utilities industry, listen to my recent interview with Pennsylvania PUC Chairman Gladys Brown, who's also head of the Critical Infrastructure Committee at the National Association of Regulatory Utility Commissioners, or NARUC. The link to that episode is in our show notes. And for more energy policy research and insights, check out the Climate Center website, 
or our Twitter feed at Climate Energy. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.